Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy. Amen. Come on, be seated all over the room. We get to get into the word today. I'm excited. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it so much. And uh, last week, guys, we got into a, a word that we released, and it was talking about a year of yes. Somebody shout yes. Man, a year of yes, and we, we talked about that, and I want to continue a little bit uh, within that today. Uh, specifically, I want to talk about this subject, the glorious church, the glorious church. But we talked about last week saying yes to the Lord. Uh, this is a year of unity and agreement, and if you missed it and you want more on that, go back to YouTube or Facebook or even Spotify. Listen to last week's message. There's so much there that you can receive. But I want to remind you of the text that we used last week in this year of yes. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Here's what it says. It says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen, God's yes and our yes together. How many of you guys know this is a season where we need to unite our yes with the Lord's? We need to unite our yes with the Lord's. He says this, he says, uh, he says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus in him. This is what we preach and pray, the great amen, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he has designed to complete. Is anybody thankful that what God starts, he finishes? I believe that God is looking in this season for us to say yes to the things that he has said yes to. I believe that God wants us to say, Lord, everything you've done, we say yes. But God, everything you're doing, we say yes to that as well. How many of you guys know God is doing new things in the earth right now? Listen, you can find different in different texts. Even Isaiah 43 says, behold, I'm doing something new. And we need to understand that we can't just say yes to what God has already done and said. We should because if God says it's going to happen. But the things that God is saying and doing right now, we need to say yes. Somebody one more time shout yes. We want to shout yes to what God is saying and doing right now. And we're doing something unique, uh, unique here this year at Makers. We're a part of the 100 movement. How many of you guys are loving being a part of the 100 movement so far? Man, it's so good, so powerful. Hundreds of churches, thousands of believers coming together to pursue the glory of God. And we have expectation that we are going to experience a fresh outpouring of God's glory. And because we have expectation, that has led us to this thing called preparation. Somebody say preparation. Because we have expectation, it has led us to preparation. And so what we have done and what we're continuing to do is we are preparing ourselves to receive, I believe, a fresh outpouring of the glory of God in our lives. If you're ready for that, somebody say amen. amen. You know, you say, well, well God, Pastor, how can we know God's going to pour out glory? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 8 and in Psalm 24 that Jesus is the King and the Lord of glory. So if he's the king and the Lord, he has the authority to pour it out. He has the authority to do that. Well, guess what? If he has the authority, we have the opportunity to get into position to receive it. And if God's pouring out his glory in the earth, listen, please don't miss it. Come on, somebody. 
Don't miss what you were made for. How many of you guys know we were made for the glory of God? Not just to experience it in heaven, but he wants to pour it out in the earth right now. And so we were made for the glory of the Lord. And God desires to do this. And so we are preparing, we are preparing to receive the glory of God in greater measure, in greater measure. And so today I want to do this. I'm going to start right here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Because here's what we have to understand. Before Jesus returns, how many of you guys know Jesus is coming back? Before Jesus returns for his church, he's got to pour out some more glory because we have to be a glorious church. We have to be a glorious church. So I want us to see Ephesians 5, 27, talking about Jesus, that he might present her to himself. Now the her is talking about us because we are the bride of Christ. That he might present her to himself a what kind of church? A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is returning for a church. Jesus is returning for a church that has experienced and is full of his glory. And right now we are 23 days into 100 days of prayer, fasting, being in the word, being in consistent and everyday generosity. You say, Pastor, are those four things really that, that supernatural? They're so simple but supernatural at the same time. Because those four practices, they put us in position to be the glorious church that God has designed us to be. They, they put us in position to receive the glory of God in our lives. And listen, if you haven't joined in yet, it's not too late. Jump in with us because I'm telling you, we've got expectation that in this season, we're going to see God do things he's never done before. See, when people say, well, what is the glory of God? It's the, it's the, uh, the, the unseen attributes of God starting to be seen in a greater measure. How many of you guys know there is more of God unseen than there still is seen? He's that big. He's that great. And so we believe in this season, we're going to see and experience things we've never done before. So what does that mean? That means we've got to pursue what God is doing. And we do that through just through doing simple things like practicing being in the word, spending time in prayer, emptying ourselves through fasting and being generous. But I, I want us to understand this today because I want us to go back to Ephesians 5, 27, because this is where we're going to spend most of our time today. And we talked about how last week we said we want to unite our yes with God's yes, meaning this, if God has said yes, we need to say yes. Anybody said yes to the Lord this week? Yes to the Lord. And if you remember very briefly last week, I talked about conversely, we need to say no to the things that God says no to. Because why? He will never bless what he has not sanctioned. So we need to say yes to what God says yes to, and we need to say no to what God says no to. And so we talked about last week how we need to say yes to God's promises of provision, protection, peace, power, his presence. But we talked about how that within our yes, our yes has got to have some layers to it. Anybody remember that? Some of us. We need to, here, let's just, I'll stop and we can watch last week's service. You get caught up. Our yes has to have some layers to it. What does that mean, layers? It means that, that our yes is not just one-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional. 
And our yes being this is we have to have layers to our yes because the promises of God, the promises of God have some layers. And I said this one statement, and we need to remember it. If we say yes to God's promises, we also must say yes to God's principles. If we say yes to God's promises, we must also say yes to God's principles. Why? Because the promises of God are layered in his kingdom principles. Let me, let me say it this way. If you want the fullness of God's promises, there has to be faithfulness to his principles. Does that make sense to everybody? If you want the fullness of God's promises, there must be faithfulness to his principles. And so we need to understand that our yes has some layers and the promises of God are layered in those principles. And as we are believing for a greater outpouring of his glory, church, we need to recognize this, is that the glory of God is not going to come accidentally. The glory of God is not coming accidentally. It's going to come intentionally to those who are positioned to receive it. If you believe that, somebody say Amen. Not accidentally, but intentionally. So if the promises of God are layered in his principles, and if we want the fullness of his promises, we need to be faithful in practicing his principles. I want us to go back to Ephesians 5.27. Because here's where it says that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Spot. That word spot is the Greek word spilos. You know what it's translated to? A stain. Some might say stain. How many of you guys like stains in your clothes? Obviously, I don't mind rips in mine, but I don't like stains. And if somebody tells me I need a new pair of jeans one more time, I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for you. That Greek word spot is, the, is translated specifically to the word Stain. Then that word wrinkle. Anybody like wrinkles? Don't you lift your hand. It's the Greek word rutis, and it's translated to bunch together or flaw. So what we find in Ephesians 5 is that God is saying, the Apostle Paul to the believers in Ephesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's saying Jesus wants to present to himself a glorious church that has no stains or flaws that has no stains or flaws. And listen, you say, Pastor, is it a big deal? Yeah, because did you know this is not the only time in the word of God that we see this command? This is not the only time that we see that the church, the people of God, should be living stain-free. Come on, somebody. Should be living without flaws. Let me show you. I'm gonna show you from the word of God. Here we go. So, so it's not just the only one. Second Peter chapter three, verse 14 says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and being blameless. Now, another version of that where it says be diligent says make every effort. That means give your best. Somebody shout give your best. Give your best to live without spot and without blame. It goes further, James 1.27. Look at this one. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. 
What does spot mean? Stain. To keep yourself unstained from the world. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. I'm giving you this for context so you can step into it with me. Because I'm telling you, I couldn't get away from this all week. I did not want to preach this today. But I had to. Because the Lord said he loves us too much for us to not fully understand what he's calling us to step into in this season. But look with me. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. He said, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without what? Without spot. Blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. It goes more. Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 15. Live clean. Somebody say clean. Live clean. That's another word there for pure. Live pure, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now, how many of you guys know that the word of God is not to be debated? None of those things are like, hey, you could do this if you want. This is the Lord. He's saying, hey, if you're gonna be who I've called you to be, Spots are not okay. Come on, somebody. Stains are not okay. Flaws are not okay. Now you say, well, well, Pastor, we're not gonna be perfect. I find nowhere in Ephesians 5 that he said he's coming back for a perfect church. He said he's coming back for a holy church without blemish. Now you say, well, Pastor, is it even possible for us to live without spot or wrinkle? Somebody shout yes. Oh, you just agreed with me. Yes, you want to know why? Jesus made it possible. Now, you got to think about this for a minute. All those things, don't do this. Be careful. Pay attention. You can't, leave, you can't allow stains in your life and in your character and your conduct. You can't allow all these things, all these flaws to be there. You say, well, how can that happen? Because Jesus came. And do you know what he was referred to as the spotless lamb of God? And because he was spotless, he was without stain and without wrinkle and without flaw, when he gave his life. Guess what his blood did? His blood came in and he washed away every stain. His blood came in and he took out every flaw. And guess what? He cleaned us from the inside out to be a glorious church. Somebody say amen. Listen, some of you guys shouted louder at the Bengals and you're shouting right now. And they... And they didn't win for 31 years. Come on, somebody. On a side note for the record, I still can't believe they won last night, but that's another conversation. It was something. It was the Lord. It had to, it had to have been. But I want to show you again from the Word. Jesus made it possible. I'm very thankful Jesus makes things possible. He makes things possible. Jesus made it possible for us to live unspotted and unwrinkled. Some of you are like, well, I wish he'd do it to my face. Come on. <laughs> you guys are being carnal. You chill out. <laughs> he made it possible for us to live in this manner. I want to show you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. It was the precious blood of Christ 
the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22. This includes you who were once far. How many of you guys know we used to be far away from God? All of us. All of us. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence, and now you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Come on. Man, that's powerful, church. Listen, but it's more. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 1 John 1 9. I love this one. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. Somebody shout faithful. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all all wickedness. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise if you're thankful for the blood of Jesus. See, when we accept Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, he does a redemptive work. He redeems us from sin and then he restores purity to us. He restores us without flaw and without stain, and we stand faultless before the Father. If you're thankful for Jesus, and I think you should be, somebody shout amen. He's been too good. He did things that you couldn't do for yourself. He's good. Why would we not say yes to the things he's saying yes to when he's been so good to us? Can I, can, I, can I preach for a minute? Can I preach about the blood for a minute? How many of you guys know we need to keep telling our babies about the blood of Jesus? Oh, pastor, the, the, the blood is too gory. No, no, no. Listen, the blood's what makes us glorious. It's the blood of Jesus. See, here's what I love about the blood of Jesus. We need to start telling lost people about the blood of Jesus again. Why? Because it's the blood of Jesus. Listen to me. The blood of Jesus. That's, there's not a stain too big the blood can't cover. There's not a sin too great the blood of Jesus can't come in and do a work. There's not a wrinkle too big. There's not a flaw too great that the blood of Jesus can't come in and straighten it out. It can't iron it out. Listen to me. I am thankful for the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to be like you. And I pray that you start to apply the blood of Jesus to your family again. You start to apply the blood of Jesus to your heart again. You start to apply the blood of Jesus to your home again. Why? You need the blood of Jesus. Why? because it does supernatural things. There's power in the blood. Come on, somebody. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Listen, there's no other blood like it. It cleanses. It restores. It redeems. It sets free. There is miracle wonder working power in the blood. Come on, you guys know those songs for it. Reaches to the high, highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength. Come on. From day to day, it will never. Come on, you know it. It will never lose its power. 
The blood of Jesus doesn't go out of style. It stays relevant. The, listen to me. The glorious church is covered in the blood of Jesus. And if we're going to be glorious, we can't be ashamed of the blood. But we say, Lord, every day, cover me in your blood. Let me walk in joy. Let me walk in peace. Let me walk in goodness. And let me walk with the blood that does things for me that I cannot do for myself. If you're thankful for the blood, I need you to give the Lord 10 seconds of praise. Come on. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. I mean it. I wrote it in my notes because the Lord got me there. You need to apply the blood of Jesus over your children. You need to. Listen, you need to go in their rooms when they're asleep at night and lay your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost over your babies. You need to do it. There is no substitute for praying moms and dads applying. Why? The blood of Jesus is a barrier to the enemy. Come on now. Pastor, I don't like talking about the blood. You in the wrong church then. We're going to talk about the blood. We're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about heaven. And listen, if there's a heaven, there's got to be a hell. There can't be one without the other. And I'm going to tell you right now, the glorious church, listen, the glorious church ain't going to hell. Now, there might be a version of church somewhere in the West here that they don't know about. They don't know about glory because they're so worried, focused on other things of the world. We need to be concerned with the eternal things of God. And be unapologetic about it. Live your neighbor and say, I'm not sorry. Come on, tell them. I'm not sorry. Now, if you need to apologize for saying that, go ahead. Tell me you get that later. But I need you to see this this morning. Jesus was and is spotless and without wrinkle. And when he died and he got back up, we were given the greatest gift of salvation that took away all of our spots and all of our wrinkles. It took them all away. And listen, since Jesus is the head of the church, he is the head of the church. Listen, and we're supposed to be the body. We must come into alignment with him. So the head cannot be spotless and without wrinkle, and the body be full of spots and wrinkles. Otherwise, we're really not the body. Are you with me? We've got to be in alignment with Jesus. But this is where it gets deep. This is where it gets challenging. Because how many of you guys know, just like we have a Savior, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Listen, again, this is a church. We're, we're going to talk about Satan because Jesus is real. And guess what? If Satan's real, Jesus got to be real. But you have an enemy. You have an enemy. That, listen, he is trying to contaminate what Jesus has cleansed. He is trying to contaminate what Jesus has cleansed. Satan is trying to contaminate and corrupt the bride of Christ. Are you ready? With the culture of this world. He is trying to corrupt and contaminate the bride of Christ with the culture of this world. Listen, in a way that believers, are you ready, would begin to compromise. And consent. See, let me, that, that word consent is big. Satan can't do anything you don't give him permission to do. 
You have an enemy that is trying to get you to compromise and consent to having a few spots again, to getting some wrinkles in your life that shouldn't be there. And listen to me, he's doing a very good job of convincing a lot of people that really do love Jesus that I can have a spot or two and it's okay. Come on now. He's convincing a lot of people that they can have a few wrinkles and it ain't no big deal. That you can, you, can, you, can still, you can still do all of these wonderful things, but it's okay if you don't practice this godly principle. It's okay if you're not completely obedient here. You can go ahead and have a spot or two. Listen, I'll put the spot where other people can't see it. I'll cover it up. I'll put the wrinkle in places that only you know that it's there. Listen, you can live how you want to and you can still be okay because you love Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever heard anybody say that, they are wrong. They are incorrect in love. They're incorrect. If the Bible does not say it, they don't have the right to say it. Okay, I'm going to come back up here. But I need you to see this with me, church. This is important. Pastor, that's a bit extreme. No, it's not. Because Satan is trying to twist every truth. He is trying to poison every principle. You don't believe me? Let's go to the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good is right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find delight in the pleasures of the world more than the pleasures of the loving God. Does that not sound like the current society in which we live every day? It's everywhere. Why? Because we have an enemy that is trying to find folks that will compromise and give their consent to let some spots in and let some wrinkles in, let some stains in, let some flaws in. And I'm gonna tell you something. There's been a hyper-grace movement that has swept through the Western church. I'm gonna go deep for a minute. There's been this, am I thankful for the grace of God? Listen, a lot of people say they're thankful, but they don't even know what the grace of God is anymore. Because there's been this, this hyper-grace movement that has swept through the Western church that has taken the grace of God, which is a gift from God. God gave us grace so we could change and become like him. That's what grace is. And listen, they have tried to turn it into a green light to live how we desire because we have God's grace. Do what you want. Listen, the grace of God is not a get out of hell free card. 
because this ain't monopoly, it's the kingdom of God. And it's real. Listen, you wanna talk about you need to tell your babies, hell is real, but so is heaven. And we need to teach them what it means to really receive the grace of God and not abuse it to do what you want, but say the grace of God has been given so you can grow in your intimacy and identity with the Father and be everything that he's designed you to be. If you're thankful for the real grace of God, somebody say amen. I told you when we got started, this was heavy. But I, I need you to hear me, church. The glorious church should not have spot or wrinkle. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. That's not up for debate and it's not up for discussion. The glorious church should have no spot or wrinkle, no stain or flaw. But the glorious church, listen, should be holy and pure. We should be holy and pure in our character. Come on, somebody. We should be holy and pure in our conduct. We should be holy and pure in the calling of God upon our lives and refuse spots and refuse wrinkles and tell the devil, you don't have my consent to bring that stuff back back into my life because the blood of Jesus has made me clean. Let's get practical for a minute. How many of you guys got up this morning like I did? I got up and I shouted, who day? Come on, somebody. <laughs> you think I'm joking. I got up, took a shower, and then I went and I got my clothes. Now, how many of you guys go to the dirty clothes to get on fresh clothes to wear for the day? Anybody? Come on, he, you, now, yes, sir, you get with me on this one. I need your help. No, you don't go get dirty, soiled, stained clothes and put them on to start a new day. And if you do, come talk to me. Let me, let me help you. I'll get you connected with Ken. He'll help you. He'll hook you up. Come on, sir. <clears throat> You put on clean clothes. Why? You don't want to go out in public with stains all over your clothes. Why? It's kind of embarrassing. When you have clean clothes without stains, why would you put on a bunch of stained, soiled clothes? We wouldn't do it. Now here's the next thing. If you're like me and you take clothes out of your drawers or on your, on your hanger or whatever and they've got wrinkles, do you put on wrinkled clothes and wear them like it's no big deal? No. You put it, some of you are like, oh, every day. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. Melissa, help me out. I can't stand a wrinkled shirt, can I? For 15 years, she's like, Derek, will you chill out? I was like, no, it's got wrinkles. I got to get rid of it. Drives me crazy. I do the ironing in our house, by the way. I'm domesticated. Thank you so much. Because um, I'm passionate about getting all them wrinkles out. <laughs> But if there's a bunch of wrinkles, if you, you get a shirt or you get a pair of pants or something and it's wrinkled, you either throw it in the dryer or you go and iron it. Because you don't, want, you don't want clothes that have stains and wrinkles. So let me ask a question. If we care enough to make sure our clothes don't have stains or wrinkles, how much more should we care about our character? How much more should we care about the way we live our lives, our conduct? how we treat people. Listen, 
if we care enough about the outside, how many of you guys know Jesus said, he said, I look at the inside first, first. So let me encourage you in this. If you care enough about your clothes, they don't have stains or wrinkles. Care enough about your soul to not let stains or wrinkles come in and keep you from walking in the fullness of what God has for you in this season. Somebody say amen if you believe that. We gotta care enough about those things to say, Lord, if we wanna be glorious, we don't want stains and spots and wrinkles. If we won't tolerate them in something frivolous, we should not tolerate them in things that matter. We should not tolerate them in things that matter. Now keep going with me for a minute. Can I keep going? Jesus knew, listen to me, Jesus knew that once you were redeemed and restored in him, because it can only happen through him and the blood, he knew that when you were redeemed and restored, that your purity would be challenged. Did you know that? He knew that that purity would be challenged by Satan. He knew that Satan would attack your desire to live clean and holy before the Lord. Do you wanna know how I know this? That's why in the New Testament, I'm about to show you that he encourages us and admonishes us to keep ourselves unspotted, to keep ourselves clean and pure. Let me show you. Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. This is such a simple text, but it can be one that can change your life if you'll let it. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must what? Continue to follow him. You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. What's so dangerous is that I see so many people, they start and they're following Jesus, but they don't continue to follow, they change how they follow. They change how they follow. And the next thing you know, the very things that God has done in your life, you're giving consent to the enemy to come back in and put spots and wrinkles on you again. Listen, he's not doing it without your say-so first. You have to sign off on it. Come on, that's the truth. You have, to, you have to give your approval for those things to come back in your life. But he says, continue. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. But because we are an instantaneous society, we think, well, that one dose should do me good for a long time. So now that I've said yes, why should I read my Bible? That ain't gonna do nothing for me. Why should I keep coming to church? What's that gonna do? I've already gotten saved. What else is there? Everything. Everything, come on, everything. Salvation is just the beginning. Why do you think we offer discipleship? It's not because we're looking for something else to do. It's because we wanna help the church be the glorious church that walks in the fullness of the promises of God. But I gotta go further. That's just the, right, right there in Colossians, but look. You go back to Ephesians 5.27 that he might present to himself a glorious church. 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Listen, just like the glory of God doesn't come accidentally, we don't stay pure and holy accidentally. Chew on that one for a minute. Just like the glory of God does not come accidentally, we don't stay pure and holy accidentally. We have to be intentional. Come on, if you're with me, somebody say amen. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. Listen, in our commitment to continue following. In our commitment to continue following. Listen, if you keep following Jesus, he will never lead you to a place that you don't need to go. He will never lead you to a place that you don't need to go. Now, I've preached this one. I'm going to always preach this one. Are you ready? You say, well, pastor, you said I need to be committed. How often do I need to be committed? Consistently. You mean tell me one of the things that scares me the most about the generations that we're raising right now? The one directly under mine. I'm 35. I can gladly tell you that. When I'm 40, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. And don't ask me either. <laughs> but the generation directly under me and younger, what I keep watching as a kingdom leader, as they tell the Lord, Lord, lead me when I'm in the mood to be led. Only when they feel like it do they, do they want to submit. Only when, they, when, when, it, when, it, when it feels easy and right do they want to come under the covering of the Lordship of Jesus. And so the truth is, is we have a lot of people shouting, I'm committed! True commitment is seen in consistency. Listen, write that one down and put it on your fridge. Commitment is seen consistency. How many of us would walk with the Lord if he weren't consistent? Imagine if he said, hey, I'm not going to give you that today because I just don't feel like it. He wouldn't be the Lord. If we're going to be the glorious church, if you're really going to say, I am committed to walking in everything the Lord has for me, you must be consistent. Did I say perfect? Consistent. Even in the times that you do fall, get back up. That's a word for somebody right now. Some of you are here today and you keep tripping. Get back up. That's why the Bible says the godly fall, but they get up again. They get up again. We must be consistent. Come on, right now, lift your hands. I want to pray the, a spirit of consistency over you right now. Lord, I come against that spirit of error. That spirit of error that tries, Lord, to, to convince us, God, that we don't have to be consistent in our pursuit of you. 
that tries to deceive us into thinking that we don't have to be consistent in covenant relationship with you. Lord, right now, Lord, I curse that in Jesus' name. And God, right now with the authority you've given me from heaven, God, I break that demonic stronghold. God, over every heart, God, and mind in this room. And I pray, Lord, even right now, folks come into agreement that they're choosing to be consistent in their commitment with you in Jesus' name consistent in their commitment with you in every part of their lives in Jesus' name. If you were something to receive that, somebody say, I receive that. I receive it. Now give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor, is it that simple? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's that simple. Now walk in it. But listen to me. He said, be glorious. Be glorious. Now, if you remember last week, I told you something. Our yes has layers, and that last layer was this. Our yes has to be put to practice. Our yes has to be put to practice. It's not just enough to say yes with God, but then you have to do what God says yes to do. That's how you unite your yes with God's yes. Two things, and I'm through. First one. You're going to become the glorious church and be a part of what God is doing right now. You ready? You must prioritize purity. Somebody say amen. You must practice the principle of purity. You must practice the principle of purity. Satan has done a phenomenal job at deceiving generations into thinking that popularity is more important than purity. Can I tell you what's really scary? Is he's, has, he's deceived a lot of preachers into thinking that popularity is more important than purity. Nope. Purity first. Purity first. The principle of purity in your heart, in your actions, in your words, in your thoughts. Listen, Jesus made you pure when you said yes to him. And you can stay pure if you'll stay close to him. If you believe that, somebody say amen. The principle of purity the principle of purity. God is looking for people who will choose purity over prominence, over possessions. God is calling his people, listen, as examples of purity. You know, Ephesians 5, and I'm gonna get into it in February. It's gonna be a great series. I'm looking forward to it. It says, don't be stained. What's really frustrating now I'm being vulnerable for a minute to you. What's really frustrating is that the church should be leaving a mark on the world. But instead of leaving marks, we keep leaving stains. You want to know why? Because we started choosing everything else over purity. We started letting people know, well, listen, if God really loves you, you're going to have a bigger house. 
If you're really favored, you're going to drive a nicer car than that person over there. And we started prioritizing prominence and popularity and possessions over purity. The Bible does not say, blessed are the popular in heart, for they will see God. Matthew 5 eight says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Listen, if you want the glory of God during this 100 movement, you start practicing purity in every part of your life and watch how God begins to show up in ways that you've never seen him before. That's, listen, that's why in 1 Timothy, he even tells sons and daughters, he said, don't let anybody despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Can we please be a church that's an example in purity? Come on, somebody. Can we please be a church that lets the world know that you need to be married and stop living together? Pastor, that's hard. It's the word. I did not say anything that anyone is disqualified from coming to church. In fact, I believe that they should be able to belong before they become. But when you meet Jesus, those things begin to change. And you may not prioritize purity on the front end, but if you want to see the fullness of God, choose purity. Practice purity. Purity in every direction. Come on. Purity in every part of who you are. Pastor, what's that going to change? It might affect what you watch on television. It might affect the kind of music you listen to. Oh, that's legalism. No, it's not. It's the goodness of God that would keep you from those things. It might change the way you talk, might change the people you hang out with. But can I ask you a question? Are you here to please people or please the Lord? Is it their kingdom or his? We gotta choose the Lord and his principles first. And I promise, if you will practice purity, did I say be perfect in purity? It takes a minute. That's what I've told you before. I hate that saying, practice makes perfect. No, it doesn't. Practice means progress. If you'll practice, you'll get better and stronger, and the Lord's going to help you, and grace is going to be there because you're going to keep changing and being everything God's designed you to be. If you will prioritize and practice purity, you can receive the glory of God in fresh ways. Here's the second one. Come on, stand with me all over the room. If you really want to be the church that doesn't have spot, if you want to be the person that does not have spot or wrinkle, are you ready? You need to start knowing God as refiner. Knowing God as refiner. A lot of folks know him as redeemer, which he is. Come on, somebody. And restore. Thank you, Jesus. He restores all things. But a lot of folks don't know him as a refiner. Did you know in Malachi chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says that God is a refiner. A refiner. 
Now, can I tell you what refining means? In the physical sense, in the physical sense, refining is a process that you put precious metals through. And it's usually done with fire. Anybody remember that the Bible says Jesus comes to baptize with the Holy Ghost and, oh <laughs> my goodness. That precious metals are put into a fire. And they're put there to remove impurities. To remove impurities. God is a spiritual refiner. And if you'll start to say yes to not just God as redeemer and restorer, but as refiner, he will take the impurities out of your life. Come on with me right now. Come on, step into that reality for a minute. He will take the impurities out of your life because he is a anything. How can I? Pastor, it seems too hard to live without stain or flaw. Not if you know God is refiner. Because if you know God is refiner on a daily basis, he takes out impurities. He refines you. He keeps you in the way that he designs you to Listen to me, church. This 100 movement, all that God is doing, it's beautiful, it's real, it's supernatural. But if we want to be the glorious church, how many of you guys want to be the glorious church? We can't have spot or wrinkle. And listen to me. We won't have them if we prioritize purity and we know God as refiner. Because I'm telling you, when you know God as refiner, he will expose anything that doesn't need to stay. And because he is so good and loves you so much, he will remove.